Charles Benson is an anchor and chief political correspondent for TMJ4 News. And you know how you know he's a big deal. Because he's in the warm studio, not standing out on an overpass. Charles, hey, I've good done afternoon. That. You know I've done that. I know you have. Literally, I'm imagining a hundred times. Yeah, at least a hundred times. And enjoyed every second. <laughs> in fact, uh, you know, I was thinking back, you know, with the snowstorm we were having, and I was remembering a time back in 2008. I know we had a couple big snowstorms in, in February. And um, back in February 2008... Wisconsin had its presidential primary back then, and in the Democratic race, it was Senator Obama uh, and uh, Senator Clinton that were running. And I remember one weekend, because I used to work the weekends, the weather was really bad. It was snowing in other parts of the state. It was like freezing rain down here. So I get a call from Obama's team, and they're like, hey, you want an interview? And I'm like, yeah. And normally when you get an interview with these candidates, it's like five minutes, seven mm-hmm. minutes. And they're like, so I said, oh, so we can get like five to seven minutes? They're like, no, how about 15 or 20, you know? <laughs> and that's because they were stranded. They, they couldn't go out and do their campaigning because wow. of the bad weather. And then Hillary Clinton found out about this, and she was stuck down at the the Fister, so she, her team calls up and says, hey, you want a, an, another interview? And, I, and I'm like, this was the biggest wow. gift I ever got. You know, I got to talk to both of these candidates for a long period of time. That's a so great I just story. To that. You were the belle yeah. of the ball. What do you remember about well, those conversations? It, I, well, I went back. I, I, I'm actually going to go post the interviews because they were pretty funny. Oh, cool. You know? uh, I, I, my first question to a very young Senator Obama was, you know, are you going to be shoveling for votes? And he said, now, if I start doing that, uh, Michelle's going to be a little concerned because I should be down here doing some shoveling. He was in Chicago at the time. <laughs> Oh man, those are great stories. Post that, post that, so yeah. we can yeah. so we can check that out. Um, I wanted to ask you about the governor's plan to give two hundred ninety million dollars to the brewers, taxpayer surplus taxpayer money to fund maintenance. Robin Voss has weighed in. Devin Lemayhew has weighed in. The governor has unveiled this now formally in his budget address. What are the first couple things that come to mind when you think about this proposal and the path forward? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is here we go again. I mean, I, when I look back on all the things I've covered in this state, this was one of the hardest things I think the city and the state uh, had to do to try to come together and find a way to finance the new stadium, now American Family Field. And it seems, uh, I'm not going to call it deja vu again, but uh, you know that some of the politics that surrounds this issue are going to be in play again. And it's around, you know, how should tax dollars be used to finance these types of situations where very well-paid players uh, get to play in these very nice ballparks? But there's a lot here to unpack in terms of what it means for the city and the state. There is a huge economic impact by the brewers. I think the, the number is around $2.5 billion since 2001. And so what we're looking at here is the governor saying, all right, the brewers need some help here, and, and let's, let me take another step back. The reason why we're in this situation is that the taxpayers of this state, and really in the southeastern part of the, of the state, own the stadium. They are the tenants, and the brewers, uh, they are the landlords, and the brewers are in the tenants. So they're in this agreement that things that need to be fixed or things that need to be replaced in the stadium falls on this district, meaning the taxpayers, to do this. It's very similar to if you own a building and you have tenants and it needs a new roof, well, it's up to the landlord to fix it. So that would be the similarity here. But what's involved is taxpayer money.
Charles, it seems that this is likely to get done. Robin Voss on this show indicated that something is likely to get done, but it won't look exactly like this. Several things the governor's proposed, he's dismissed immediately out of hand. This is not one of them. How does the dance move forward? How does this proceed? Well, I'm, I'm curious as to how the dance will move forward. As you know, we used to have a one-tenth of one percent sales tax to help finance uh, the building of the stadium and then have some leftovers to deal with future costs of repairs or needs of the stadium. And from what I'm hearing, there's $87 million still in the bank to deal with that. The governor is proposing this one-time $290 million uh, and that the, uh, the stadium district could then park that in the bank, earn some interest on it, and then you know you have I think somewhere around four hundred million dollars to deal with any of these costs over the next twenty years. I am curious as to how Republicans or others will change the deal because one thing is um, interesting to me on the governor's proposal is that it's money right up front instead of going out and borrowing money over 20 or 30 years that can add costs down the road. This puts the money up front and gives the uh, the brewers and the stadium district the money that they need now versus waiting for it year by year. So I am curious to see how it does unfold from where we are at this particular proposal with what the governor has. I do think, though, that they will find a way to get through this. They did that for Pfizer form, and they also found a way for the uh, the Green Bay Packers up there when they added a half-cent sales tax, sales tax in Brown County to figure out how to uh, do some renovations up there. One way or the other, they're going to get there. And, you know, I hope it doesn't repeat how difficult and challenging it was uh, way back in the 1990s. And, Charles, when you say one way or the other... We're going to get there. So between this baseball situation, well, the education proposals, you know, Robin Voss made it very clear that he uh, was displeased in how the the information was delivered. He wanted to be, you know, not, quote, surprised or drop this bomb on. But like, what is the next step as people get forward? Like, so who does Robin Voss call next to make well, this I think work? Now the, you know, in uh Sports analogy here, I mean, I think the ball now will move or swing back to the legislature because they're going to be the ones going through the budget and through the requests of the governor. So what do they eventually decide on? What does uh, Robin Voss or Lemieux think is the best deal, the best way to get through here? And how much state dollars need to be spent? And what is the best structure for that. I think there's going to be a lot of key players involved. Tim Sheehy is a guy who uh, sits on the stadium district board, was intimately involved in getting the original structure of the deal through that included taxpayer dollars. He's still in the mix here. So I think there are going to be a lot of key players uh, that work in the political arena, in the community arena, and at the state level to try to find a way to make it happen, uh, even though there will be pushback I'm just, you know, what should we be doing with our tax dollars, knowing that there is a lease that says, look, taxpayers do need to, under the agreement in the lease, to pay for these costs. Charles, this won't be easy, though. You and I both know Frank Busalaki, no. former DOT secretary, and now he's on the board, and he's on the record as saying that rich professional sports teams maybe shouldn't get this kind of money, and he's on the stadium district board. This is just not going to be yeah. easy, is it? 
No, it, it, I, I don't think it will be easy, uh, but I do think that there is some precedent here in terms of that relationship between the public and the private, the brewers and the board. And, and the brewers, I think, are you know trying to say, look, uh, they're going to also pick up some of these costs down the road as well. They do pay rent on the building. Uh, and so I think there's going to be more conversations within the community, within the political arena to see how much of this can work. I do know, and it's still leftover feelings about this, this sales tax that was put upon the five counties did not go over well. It was one-tenth of one percent, but it still added up. So there are people in each of these camps, but at the end of the day, as tough as it was back then, I still think it's going to be a challenge. But I would be surprised if they don't get a deal. I would be more prone to think a deal will be reached. TMJ4 Chief Political Reporter Charles Benson, always great stuff. He's got to run off and find that next snowstorm interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe Joe Biden's stuck somewhere. You can get him on the horn, Charles. Get an interview. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you so much. We always appreciate you. No problem. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. The snowman was a jolly happy soul. Snow is still coming down. I just saw meteorologist Brian Nisnansky on TV talking about a, a heavy band of snow that's now falling for part of us. Uh, let's start with that, Niz. Thanks yes. for being with us. Yeah, great call. Um, already inching into our western spots, Jefferson County, Dodge County, things really picking up for you folks. And I, I would give it about another hour. And then Metro Milwaukee will probably start to see our heaviest snow with this system so far. This this last band of snow that's associated with the system is packing a pretty good punch, rolling through Madison right now. And, uh, again, uh, things are going to head downhill pretty quickly. It looks like that band I thought I saw on TV, and you can help me make sure I get it right here, was more like Beaver Dam and North, or will that strongest band, do you believe, also hit Brookfield, Menominee Falls, Milwaukee Metro? I do think it will. I, I think it'll get here for sure. Um, I'm looking at, I mean, we're popping some really high reflectivity for snow on the radar. Stretching from, right now it goes from like Fond du Lac to Beaver Dam to Madison, so like that 151 corridor, all the way down through... Rock County to the west of Janesville. So, like, this will completely swing through all of southeastern Wisconsin. So even locations south of Milwaukee, like Racine, Kenosha, where you've been on the outside looking in of some of the heavier snows so far, this will start to push in for you folks. It's going to take a little bit longer to get to those southern spots, but um, I do think it will hold together. So when does it end? When is it safe to go outside yeah. and start to get to work? So it really depends on where you are. Western spots, I do think the snow will start to taper off by 9 o'clock. It's probably not going to be until 10, 11 o'clock for the Milwaukee area. And especially if we see some band of lake effect snow kind of linger along the lakeshore, we might still be seeing snow around midnight. So um, it's a ways to go here in the city of Milwaukee. So that's why we are expecting at least another two, three inches of snow in Milwaukee, maybe four inches if we get a lake band to set up. So uh, if you get out there shoveling now, you're going to be doing it again uh, later on tonight or into tomorrow. But main focus right now as we started is that band of heavy snow. I would not want to be caught driving in it. So if you have an option to drive now, you're better off than an hour from now if we're talking Metro Milwaukee. Um, I would say... The time frame worst in the Milwaukee area to be driving is probably going to be between 7 and 9 o'clock. Um, and that 
probably will hold true for this whole system. I think the worst time for this system will be between 7 and 9 o'clock this evening. That is very helpful info, Brian. And so not only are we going to get the snow that will likely end late, maybe 11 o'clock, maybe midnight, the temperature is going to drop, right? It, it is. Yep. Uh, so there's some pluses and minuses with that. The colder temperature makes it easier for the roads to get slick, even with some salt on it, and the accumulation to pile up quicker. On the flip side, it's creating a little bit more of a drier snow. So we started off with kind of that wetter stuff earlier today. Now it's more of the fluffier variety. So easier to move, but again, still causing some issues out on the roadways. And then if you've got some shoveling to do, make sure you're bundling up. By tomorrow morning, we could have wind chills close to zero. So um, make sure... Yeah. Uh, yeah, not very pleasant. And no Short one wants to hear my week. no one wants to hear my snow thrower at midnight tonight. So uh, I'm <laughs> guessing they might have to hear it about six thirty or seven tomorrow. Yeah, good call. <laughs> In the morning, yeah. I know it's so it's so tough because I mean I'm going to be here at the station at least until then, and I'm yeah. thinking, okay, do I have to get out there and yep. kind of hand shovel the stuff? What am I going to do? I don't. Who's know. gotten the most How? so far? Most so far, southern Milwaukee County, southern Waukesha County, New Berlin area to Oak Creek. We have a lot of six-inch totals already. Uh, most of the area still sitting between like two and four inches. Uh, but I do think once we clear this final band, much of the area is going to have at least six inches of snow on the ground. And the locations that already have six could be talking like eight, nine inches. Ooh, that's a lot. things are all said and done. Yep. All right. Meteorologist Brian Nisnanski, you've got a long night ahead. Thanks for helping us uh, stay safe out there. Yeah, thank you. A- absolutely. Yeah, no problem. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of hard work, but this is uh, why I do it. It's uh, deep down inside. I, 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 you know, I don't want to say giddy, but I'm excited. Yeah, good for stuff. Sure. We're glad you're on our <laughs> yep. team. Time for Bucks Insiders. Eric Name, the Athletic with us on the WTMJ Hotline. Hey, Eric, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, so you took the train down to Chicago. Um, Chicago's kind of on the edge of where the storm really is. What's the weather like down there? Um, I think I took the smallest steps of my life into the United Center tonight. Um, <laughs> I was in, uh, I mean, peril the whole time. Uh, very convinced that I was going to slip and hurt myself. Uh, it's incredibly icy down here. Mm. Not as snowing as it is in Milwaukee, but uh, very icy. Yeah, that ice can be worse than the snow, driving or walking. Yeah, no, I was I was legit scared. I was very scared walking into the United Center tonight. Huh. Um, I saw your, your your tweet update on the injury status. Connaughton's out for the game tonight. Chris Middleton's out. Now, that one kind of shot up to me, Eric, because is this just, like, maintenance? Like, okay, we're going to shut him down, give him more time before the All-Star break? Or is this something that, that might linger beyond? Yeah, I mean, I think this one's a little bit more interesting, right? Because with Chris, the the thing that they're doing is trying to build up his minutes. So it, as far as, like, maintenance goes, it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense to sit him out because they're trying to build him up. Uh, so... When we asked Mike Boonholzer about it, uh, he was he's very clear in saying that, no, it was not a setback for Chris, so he's not going backwards. But also, this absence tonight was not expected. They didn't think that this was going to happen. So um, I just think overall, not necessarily what you want to hear, uh, just you know him being a little bit more sore than was maybe expected after Tuesday night. Uh, and, and they did push him, right? Like, that was the first time that he was closing a game. 
That was the first time it went up by 25 minutes. Um, so I, I think a little bit worrisome that that was his body's response to that first time. Uh, but also we know the Bucks to be incredibly cautious. Uh, we know the Bucks to, you know, try to make sure that, that all of their guys are good. When we talked with Chris Middleton in the locker room, and he said, you know, this doesn't feel like that first time where he came back and, and had any issues uh, with his right knee, uh, just a little bit more sore than normal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's somewhere between not a concern and not something that you should worry about and definitely something that you should worry about. I, I, so I don't think it's alarms going off or anything like that, but I definitely think it is something to keep an eye on and, and definitely something that when the Bucks come back from the All-Star break, you're going to have to keep a very close eye and see how his minutes progress and how much he plays and, and what the plan is from there. Eric Name from The Athletic is with us. Are the Bucks the best team in the East? That's a great question. Um, I would say, hmm, I think I'm going to put the Celtics, uh, man, I'll put the Celtics just slightly above them. <laughs> I, I think it's really close. I, I think those two teams are the class of the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, honestly, they're the class of the NBA. I, I think I would take either of them over anybody in the Western Conference, the Nuggets led by two-time MVP Nikola Jokic included. I think the reason why I give a slight edge to the Celtics is just health. Uh, you know, you have Chris sitting out tonight. I think you have some concerns that you haven't seen him play his normal 32 minutes. You haven't seen him pushed up around 40 minutes like we saw Giannis and Drew in that game against the Celtics the other night. Uh, that hasn't happened yet for him. So I, I think until you see that, uh, I think you have to give the slight edge to the Celtics. But the Bucks are right there with him. To me, the, the two teams we saw in Pfizer Forum on Tuesday uh, are the two best teams in the NBA right now. So, Eric, Sandy was interested in the fact that we had the what, – what was he, the president? He's the president of Iceland. Yeah. attended Iceland. the Bucks yeah, game. attended the Bucks game. So, so who do you think the dignitaries in Chicago will be tonight <laughs> that, that, that can match the president that of Iceland? That was my hard-hitting question <laughs> yeah. for you, Eric, because I'm no, curious. I, mean, I think it, uh, it's a great one because, honestly, you know, sometimes we get a heads-up on – celebrities, dignitaries that are going to be in the building, and we got no heads up that night. I was not able to secure an interview with the president <laughs> of Iceland. Uh, so it, it was it was one of the strangest things I, I can imagine. Uh, I can remember happening at at a Bucks game. I, I honestly, at first, I thought maybe it was like a prank, but no, that is that was legitimately the the president of Iceland. So yeah, that was that was shocking. I I've not been given any word if there will be any foreign dignitaries here in the United Center tonight. Uh, but honestly, if you're the Chicago Bulls and you see the Bucks pulling out all the stops with the, with the president of Iceland, I think you got to try to find something yourself. So uh, I'm very excited to see if, if we have any dignitaries. And he was just in the stands. He wasn't in a suite. He wasn't hanging out with Peter Fagan. He was just there like a guy. No, absolutely a man of the people. I think that that is really what was conveyed in him just – Hanging out in the stands and Pfizer Forum the other night. Eric, is, Eric, you have seen when the, when the, the the Bucks because of Giannis and his international appeal. I'm sure you've seen on the road that there have been big time stars that have come out specifically to see him and Milwaukee. Oh, th- there's no doubt about that. That is that star power is real. You see more celebrities at, at games all across the country. Uh, I think I've been to probably thirty to forty Greek nights in the last, I don't know, five years. <laughs> uh, I'm at Greek Heritage Nights regularly uh, on the NBA road trip schedule. So 
yeah, there's there's no denying the star power of Giannis. I, I just wasn't ready for President of Iceland. That was a shock. <laughs> we all love Giannis. The fact that he just continues to bring not just people together, but the world together. That makes my heart happy. <laughs> it should. He is, he is someone that, it, to him, it comes very easy to put smiles on people's faces. And I think that is one of the more endearing qualities of Giannis. But aside from being a, an insane competitor and, and trying to build a championship team and win a whole bunch of games, I just think the ease with which he makes people smile is, is is really up there as far as his characteristics. So. How are you getting home? Is there a train late enough, or do you have to stay the night down there? How are you getting home? Uh, there would be a train late enough if I wanted to skip all of the post-game locker room, post-game press conference, but I'm a professional, so I will not do that. I'm going to stay over, <laughs> and then I will, I'll grab an early morning train up to Milwaukee tomorrow. Nice. You get a night in the big city. Absolutely. It'll be great. He is Eric Name from The Athletic. Check out his work. I do all the time. Eric, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.